Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Adam Nitty podcast. I'm your host, Adam Nitty. Exciting day today because this is the recording of episode one of this new series. And who better to have for episode one than my longtime friend and musical cohort, Mr. Tom Hemby, who also hails from Nashville. We've done so much. Uh, together it's been it's been amazing it's it, and you know i don't i don't use these terms lightly it's been an honor to make music with you you are a real nashville musical legend i mean it, your your uh your biography credits list i i mean it it reads it, it probably would cover um all the square footage of my house and uh you play you play electric guitar you play all the guitars you play electric guitar you play i believe you play mandolin and steel is there anything well, you don't play yeah do you play banjo uh yes a little bit i know nobody nobody wants to admit it but that's okay that's all right but um this is this is timely uh us meeting for for so many reasons um number one you've got a brand new album coming out and yes i get to say that i played on this i'm so excited absolutely and tell us about it. do so yeah please tell us about the the history of this you know the making of of this album and and um because this is as far as i know this is this is your next big thing to to put out there right yes uh well as you were a part of this from the get-go this started a few years back when we were doing recording workshops at uh, Sweetwater Sound and uh, our friend and engineer there, Mark Hornsby, had us to come up for these three-day events where people would pay to watch the, a recording process. So uh, we would um, go there, record a song and uh, or maybe two, and during that process, all these clients were paying to observe, to see how drums are mic'd, how, how you mic an amp, how things are set up, how you get it going. Then there's the, the process of recording, you know, actually recording the song. And then, then after that, um, they would stay over the next day and there would be a, a kind of a rough mix done to show them the mixing process and that whole thing. But so, what happened over a period of time uh, as we were doing these workshops, we ended up with enough songs to uh, put a project together. So that's how that whole thing evolved. And, uh, you know, I had written uh, many of the tunes, but as you as well as Mike Whitaker contributed to the composition process as well. And, and uh, I just, I just, I love the way this came out. It's, it's, I don't want to say surprising, but in a way it is, it's just come out so great, you know, and, and given the circumstances that it, how it was done, you know, just doing a workshop and just like we had to come up with something, but I really, I really tried to just come up with something great just in case something like this did happen, which it did. So, yeah. so here we have a great project in the can and it was such an honor having you, be the bass player on this i mean you good lord man, man. <laughs> I, i'm i'm so i'm so thrilled and, and excited about this this coming out and um you know as you just kind of covered we you know we, we took these recording workshop things which were i guess for lack of a better description you know they were educational events for these aspiring mm -hmm. you know engineers and all and they 
they got to really witness, I guess, and, and be a part of, you know, real recording session where we were literally putting these, these tunes together. And uh, there was, it took away that that typical sort of degree of separation you know that 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 you might have when you when you listen to an album you don't necessarily know what what happened behind the scenes but not only did these people get to see the 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 you know the the writing and refining process but they also got the the engineering and technical side of it as well like because they were literally sure. learning how this mm -hmm. was being engineered from beginning to to end and the mm -hmm. thing this i don't know if you agree but like to me i almost had the expectation when we first started doing this that it was going to feel kind of stale because i don't I, I i didn't i didn't expect a negative result but i thought in terms of it being in that educational setting we might be maybe stifled a little bit by having to sort of follow the the program but it wasn't like that at all they really did just kind of sit back and observe and it was awesome really getting to we got to do the real creative process didn't we we did. Actually, we did. And, and uh, you know, I, I would agree uh, with you as far as expectation. You know, you you think given the situation, it could end up being just kind of a stable environment, but uh, it was actually quite exciting. So a lot of people uh, asked a lot of questions and uh, and I feel like, you know, what we were able to put down, it might have helped having that audience there just to get, you know, that feedback of, having real people in the room watching what you're doing. So it's, uh, it was almost like you recorded a live concert. Yeah, it was, it's funny, you know, we're, we're all, we've, we've had a chance to, to cultivate real friendships throughout the years, you know, with this, with this band, which is, which is an added blessing. And so yeah. that kind of, for me anyways, that, that took away a lot of the, the red light phobia, whereas, you know, sometimes you go in with people and I mean, let's face it, your tunes are not easy tunes to play. They're, they're, there's a level of sophistication and, you know, I think they're fun to listen to, but to actually go in and record the stuff cold is, is, you know, not necessarily a, um, a, uh, a little menial task, but, but, you know, people out there listening and, and watching it's like this was this is one of those situations Tom Tom brings charts you know we've got charts in front of us it's, it's one of those things where you don't I mean we didn't do a bunch of rehearsals before the sessions we you you no. drove there with your gear and we we flew in and then you know you put the charts out and we're literally just trying to work this stuff out and and uh again you know it just it, it's a testament to I think that like the chemistry and just sometimes getting a good take is all about just being able to finally relax and sure. and in spite of that studio environment being different from maybe some of the nashville you know places that that we record and being mm -hmm. in that in the in the studio recording workshop setting again i'm just i i i, I harken back to I, I just i can't believe how comfortable those those sessions felt and it's so far well, and, back. And I certainly think that a lot of that is attributed to the fact that this core group of musicians, yourself and myself and and, uh, and um, uh, Mike Whitaker on keys, who's just phenomenal, and Mark Downth, an amazing sax player, plus Keith Carlock on drums. My gosh. Yeah. We have played together so much through the years, so there's a, there's an automatic kind of comfort, comfort factor there that uh, seemed to really yeah. help. You know, when you work together, as you well know, we all work together so much. We kind of, we kind of know what the other guy's thinking you know, when we're laying stuff down, and 
and what he might be going for. And, and uh, so, yeah, there's there's definitely a comfort factor there that uh, played a huge role in, in how this came out, I do believe. So, yeah, when you as a as a guitar player, uh, you've my gosh, I don't know who knows how many thousands of, of sessions you've you've played in your professional career, but the the Sweetwater studio as as a whole um those of you that that don't know out there Sweetwater is is easily one of one of the top two or three music vendors in the world at this point right i mean they yeah. they do unbelievable Maybe. amounts of sales and and uh turning inventory over but they have they have built an actual pro recording studio in their main facility in Fort Wayne and I'm just curious from your perspective, you've played in more studios than I have. Like when you first started working at that studio, how does it, how does it compare like to some of these other environments? Is, is it a different vibe because it is under the roof of this, this giant of, of, uh, uh you know, music equipment sales or, or is it, does it feel just like a pro studio inside just another building? Like what, what's, what's the vibe that you got from there? Well, first of all, just to get out of town is always kind of an exciting thing, just to go someplace different, someplace kind of exciting and new. And, and the studio itself, I mean, it's state of the art. Yeah. And uh, and talk about access to any kind of gear that you need being right there in the, in the uh, music store facility of of uh, Sweetwater. Um, you know, you, you have access to everything in the world that you would need for sessions. And uh, yeah, it's it just... Um, it, it was just kind of exciting to be in some place different rather than the norm of places that I've worked in Nashville through the years and, and yeah. something a little fresh about getting away and, and uh, tackling something in a different place. So Yeah. What's your favorite studio or what's your favorite place to record? Do you have a favorite? I've had many favorite and most of them are gone in Nashville. Now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, uh, it, one of my favorite places that used to be in this area was the Bennett House uh, down in Franklin. Oh and yeah, I remember that place. That uh, it just those rooms in the house just um, they just yielded such great drum sounds. Yeah, that was definitely one of my faves. It's been gone for many years now, but uh, as well as some others that on Music Row that have that uh, just legendary places that are just now gone, you know? So the tracking room is another great place that, that recently closed. Mm. Uh, I say it's probably been about a year or so now. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's uh, Emerald was another great studio. I loved working in so many places that are just, you know, gone now. And yeah. Real estate history. So man, it's, Gosh, you know, you talk about how the landscape has, has changed so much. I mean, Music Row is just a, I, it's kind of a shadow of what it was, right? I mean, it's just yeah, so it's, different now. They call it the row anymore, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, there's so much that, so much history. It's just gone now. It's a shame. It's yeah, it really is. It's been, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, well, not funny, but it's interesting because, um, even uh, prior to the, um, you know, the wonderful changes made by the by the virus, um, you know, it was kind of already moving in a direction that was 
diminishing the presence, right, of, of a lot of those uh, studios. Uh, most definitely. I just due to uh, the state of the recording industry, uh, you know, regarding technology, where so many people now have home studios and it's really it really cut into mid-sized studios that, you know, people just didn't need to be there anymore. You're doing so much stuff at their home and uh, the ones that survived the longest were the huge studios that you have to have to accommodate stream players and stuff. So, right. uh, but yeah, I think just due to, like I said, technology, as far as being able to have something on your laptop, you can record that with so many virtual uh, plugins and stuff that used to take millions of dollars to accomplish that. So yeah, I'm not surprised. I remember <clears throat> many years ago when at the beginning of this, whole uh, turn of the industry I, I remember being uh in this one studio they had a big new focus right console uh it, i think it was seriously like yeah, it might have been over a million bucks or so mm. and um and then nine months later i ended up being back in the studio one night this place was called the mill and i remember being back in the studio one night for some kind of a rehearsal and there, that that console, that beautiful console that sounds so fantastic, it was just unplugged and shoved over the corner. And there's set of Pro Tools rig, you know? <laughs> so. Wow, it's, boy, that really puts things into perspective. Um, I, gosh, I have such a love-hate relationship with, with technology and music. You yes. know, and I, I know you can relate to this. There's a, the way music is made now is completely different than it was decades ago. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's it's easy for me to get kind of like uh, grumpy about it, you know, and think about, well, you know, back in the day you had to, you know, your performances had to be solid because, you know, you weren't punching mm -hmm. in everything, doing millions of takes. Uh, you were doing, you know, you were trying to get it as, as good as you could. Performances mm -hmm. needed to be solid. You wanted to avoid, you know, these these impossible, you know, punches and stuff like that that now are made so easy just by, you know, digital workstations and things like that. Right. But um, one of the things that I, I love about technology is that some of the some of the pitfalls that we used to run into in the analog world, like those don't even exist anymore from like um, um, from like technical standpoint, dealing with things like removing like pops and clicks from tracks, you know, that, yeah. that now you can do so easily with with the plugin that you could never get rid of before without retracking something like there's there's little you know tools like that that are that are amazing but i think just what bums me out a little bit if i'm being honest is the idea of now just so much music is made by just just piecing things together and you know yeah. like 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 an erector set or legos you know like oh let me put this here put this here and um there's not as much I know there's exceptions, but but it, on the whole, there's not as much continuity and flow, in my opinion, you know? And that's what I think the beauty about our record, what we did in Sweetwater, it was we're all working there together, yeah. catching that live thing of guys playing off of each other with ideas and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we actually uh, pulled it off what we need to do to give it a great live feel for this project. So instead yeah. of sounding and it was, you know, that you did your part, pass it over to somebody else and somebody else passed. You know, I mean, yeah, we were in the room together. We yeah. did it. And it just has this wonderful live feel to it. 
You know, as much as I have taken advantage of remote recording over the years for, for so much of what I've done, and, and you cannot mm-hmm. argue the, the convenience of it, you, you would think on the surface that getting a bunch of people together in the room might take longer to hash things out than having just a part doing your thing and, and you know, moving on. But it really is amazing, isn't it, how when when there is a when there's a creative flow happening, I feel like it ultimately saves time, you know, in the long run, because you kind of hash through things interactively all at the same time, and then it gets sussed out without having to go through like little individual production phases, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I know that when I'm working tracking live with a group, I, I get my stuff done a lot quicker than I do when I'm sitting here at home. Next thing you know, I'll sit there and start scoping it to death and maybe scoping the life out of it. I have to try to be careful not to do that. You know? Yeah. And yeah. You do, get, you do get it done quicker. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Sometimes you're, if you're, I, you're, I think you're like me in that um, you just stated it, you know, like sometimes you're overanalyzing what you did, especially when you're do, working on your own stuff. You can you can produce yourself to death. And, and sometimes, you know, I've taken the life out of my performances before on recordings from just going down a rabbit hole. And that's not yeah. a good thing. Oh, sure. But, but um, you know, that what playing in a room does is sometimes it forces you to go ahead and accept what little flaws may have been there or or what little nuances or anomalies that end up adding to the quality of the performance right it's it's like right you wouldn't have left it there otherwise if you were just going down the rabbit hole but because it got left there it got left alone the way maybe it should have been you know sure well you know i mean i think that's uh the beauty of the uh, regarding the character of records of, that were done years ago, you know, uh, something might have been slightly out of tune, but it just kind of gave it a thing, or it might maybe the, the tempo just kind of moved up and down a little bit and made it breathe, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think there's 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 a lot of beauty in just the natural feel of you know the human factor. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just it just gets so stiff that. You know, you just want to, I don't know. <laughs> you want to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. So I want to, I want to get into a little bit of nerdy stuff with you, if you don't mind, because I am, um, not only do you play like no one else and, and you are incredible on so many levels and so many different styles, but I consider you, I've got this short list and you're in this list of what I, what I call tone masters. When it comes to guitar sounds and tracks that you play, your tones are amazing. They're always, they, well, they, they're, oh no, they are. They, they're like, they, they all sound like they should be reference tones for music libraries, you know, in today's world. <laughs> but um, man, I am so curious to know without sounding you know too too nerdy like from where where does that come from and is that a gear thing like or is that a a um an organic feel thing you build over time like where do you how do you craft guitar tones the way you do because not everybody has this this quality where does that come from i think it's a a bit of a gear thing but it's way more of an ear thing ah yeah 
you know, it's just, I, I don't know how to describe it. I just, there's just sounds that I hear in my head that I, that I want to go for. And I just, I'll sit there and tweet till I get it. And then, then after a period of time, you know, you learn quickly how to, to arrive at those tones. So uh, after maybe spending hours, you know, of a day or something, trying to find a particular tone, then once you got it dialed in, you know what to do the next time. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've always been fascinated by great guitar tones. That was one thing early on when I was a kid learning to play guitar. I wasn't really starting out. I wasn't really a, a rock guy. I did not like the rock tones I was hearing at that mm -hmm. period of time, you know, when I was a kid, uh, the, a lot of the twangy rock stuff. And I was really fascinated by some of the country players, guys like Grady Martin, mm -hmm. uh, who had these nice, big, thick, rich tones. And then uh, there was um, the first time that I actually heard a rock and roll guitar that I'm going, what is that? And I want to know how to get that. It was the first time I ever heard Terry Kath play was Chicago. Wow. Yeah. Before those, that guitar tone to me to this day is still primo. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I gauge everything against that in, in a rock tone. So, um, just thick, just, he plays so fluid too. You know, it was just, it was a wonderful thing. It instantly grabbed my ear and it instantly changed my focus about what I wanted to do musically, you know? Mm. And, um, but as a kid, you know, I grew up, you know, in Southern Missouri, in the Ozarks, a lot of country music was prevalent there. Uh, the, the first time I really wanted, well, I, when I really became infatuated with guitars, when I heard Chad Atkins play, because I heard this, heard him play, and I thought it was two guitar players, because I hear the <laughs> rhythm thing going on on here in the melody, and I'm like, when I found out it was one guy, I just became totally fascinated, uh, almost obsessed with learning how to do that. So uh, early on, I grew up, you know, playing guitar as a fingerstyle guitar player, which I'm so glad I did. It has been such a beneficial, beneficial thing to me through the years of adapting my own style to pop and rock stuff and R&B. Um, e even to this day, when I'm playing rhythm uh, electric guitar, a lot of times, unless I'm just doing like mute picking kind of things, single string stuff. When I'm strumming guitar, playing funk guitar, I'm not using a pick. Mm -hmm. I'm, using a I'm using the back of my nails. I get a tighter, kind of thicker sound, and even snappier sometimes than you can get with a pick. Now, sometimes just the pick thing you want, you want for that particular tone. But I, when I'm doing funk rhythm stuff, I'm using my fingers like a flamingo player or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Getting yeah. back to the um, rock. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to kind of like that. Um, the, you know, the technology versus, you know, the the uh, the crafting of, of old. You are someone who um, you have a Kemper, right? I do. And I do. so one of I, I want you to tell the story, if you don't mind. I remember you telling me the story about Mm -hmm. being so impressed with the Kemper and maybe you can kind of tell the, you know, the listeners also kind of explain what, what that is. But, um, you told me the story about being in the studio, I believe with Mark, maybe even at Sweetwater where you had modeled your guitar amps and you guys were a being them like, 
well, live actually, back and forth in, in a session, right? And comparing. Can you talk about that? Well, it was actually a, a, another friend of mine, Alan Litton, an engineer okay. here in Nashville that lives just over the hill from me. And I got a call from him uh, about two weeks before NAM show. And he said, hey, you got to come check this thing out. These guys are coming to my house, this company Kemper. And so they had this remarkable sounding uh, guitar. At the time, he did say sampling. I know they do not like to refer to it as sampling because it's, well, which it's not. They were, yeah. It's it's or a modeler. It's a uh, um, what what uh, what they what do they want to call it? Uh, uh, anyway, uh, but it, it's just a wonderful tool to have. And the thing that that uh, Greg might hear about it was when I went over to Allen's and. Uh, and they had a Bad Cat amp, same model of amp that I was used to playing on that I have. And uh, they set it up and they, they want to call it a profile is what they want to call it. So they set up to profile the amp and the cabinet was in the other room, totally isolated. They made a profile of the amp and and it is spot on. Hmm. And when they the first time they did that for me, when they when they profiled the Bad Cat amp that I was used to playing, um, they were sitting there going, switching back and forth between the Kemper and the live amp. I could not tell the difference. Wow. Um, okay. You got me. So, uh, so when I left uh, that day, I was actually the following Monday, I was going to be going to South Korea to do some tracking over there for a couple of weeks. And I told the guys, I said, well, guess what? That is going with me. <laughs> <laughs> So they yeah. did. They were so kind. They actually gave me, it was like their prototype. Wow. Wow. You know, that's so amazing. So, and I took it and uh, went to agree with it. And, but it's, it's a wonderful thing. And because what I did, I just, uh, after I got, you know, back home and stuff, I, I took it. I just did profiles of all my amps. So I have them all dialed in like I want. And when I go to a session, I don't have to sit there and worry about tweaking a little bit to get a sound. It's instantly there. It instantly feels like my amp. And wow. even when you go to change the tone or distortion, you know, I say within 50, maybe 75%, it'll sound just like your amp when you change something. It's just, it's a wonderful tool to have. Wow. I used to have racks of gear years ago that I had to have to accomplish what they've got virtually in that box. It's amazing. That you have uh, uh, amp modeling things that hit the front of the amp, uh, pedal, you know, I mean, uh, pedal models, what I should say. Uh, you could have like four delays or four distortions before you hit the, the front of your amp sound, uh, whatever combination thereof you want, you know, and uh, phase shifters, and flangers, what have you. And then behind uh, the amp sound itself, then you have four options for stereo sounds, which can be any combination of delays, reverb, chorusing, Leslie sounds, what have you. So, and they thought of everything for this. Wow. You know, it's, it's a wonderful recording tool and it's you know I use it a, a whole lot in the studio now since, especially since I just took all my great sounding amps my AC30 my bad cat amps uh, uh, the uh, third power amp that I have and uh, you know Bogners and all these I've just I've done profiles of them and I just use those when I'm working at home you know, that's amazing taking the time to mic something up and trying to 
uh, dial something in constantly. It's just, it's a time saver and it just works fantastic. So, so you think we're at the place now where you could like a, somebody who's a tone Smith, like yourself could almost argue the, the reliance on a, on something like that by itself. Or do you think amps are, are going to always kind of oh, uh, play I a part? I know the difference. I mean, I know you can say what you want. Some guys like to do that whole snooty tone thing, you know, like they're a special level and somebody else is not. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I've never bought it. I'm like, if it sounds great, it sounds great for crying out loud. Don't sit there trying to make something that's not, you know, just. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, I think the same can be said about so many of these plugins that, that you and I use nowadays. Exactly. And, in mix downs or, or tracking it's you know the thing about it is my experience has been well i can't tell the difference most of the time but for the high quality ones i i, I can't there and and if there is a difference that's perceivable at all it could be equalized by maybe moving one of the knobs this much you know what i mean it's just like you can or something right yeah it, it yeah. makes me wonder if a difference that could be possibly perceived by somebody with perfect hearing um if it also if they'd also hear the same level of difference between two of the same exact pieces of hardware gear like they just differ mm -hmm. you know so, i mean it's just it's gotten so insane and and just again like this is the good part well, saves it, you it, money. It, all come, it all comes down you know granted there, there may be somebody show up with Kemper and it may sound terrible, but it may have a lot to do. There's a lot of factors there. There's a lot of factors about, I, I'm a firm believer that a lot of tone from guitar players, bass players, anybody playing string instruments, a lot of the tone comes from these. Yeah, amen. And, you know, you you have to know how to hit a string correctly to get a great tone out to begin with. Yeah. And from there, you know, it, it's a matter of using your ear to what really sounds the best you know some guys will dial things in thinking that something sharp and shrill is 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 the, what's going to cut through well no that's not it if you got a great tone people will turn it up to hear it you know so right. without having to knife somebody that's good yeah yeah uh, it's, I mean, it's fascinating it all comes down to tone. It just does. You know, I mean, I, that's one thing I've noticed about some guitar players. That some of my favorite guitar players, take Larry Carlton, for instance. That guy, man, he plays one note and it just, it just moves you. Yeah. Because it's always done with such, it has such a great tone, such a great attitude. You know, it, it, he doesn't have to like stand back and machine on a bunch of notes across the fretboard. It's just like, he he's all about tone and that, that, that he's one of my tone heroes for sure yeah. so I, I can see why for sure but yeah man you are yeah you are the uh, part of the elite for for sure man when it when it comes to that it's pretty well amazing. thank you I, I, I may disagree but i thank you <laughs> yeah no no i mean it um the tom hemby band has has been um an establishment since you know the first time we got together what were you looking for in the players that you chose to to get that that sound of the band you were looking for 
Well, first of all, uh, you know, there's so many great players here. And I, and early on, I'd used different combinations of, of guys that were just extremely gifted musicians, great players. Uh, I just, you know, due to some availability issues with different ones that couldn't play all the time, I was always switching out different guys. And then, and then you would just find the magic cat, you know, that for that chair, that's like, wow, I certainly dig what he does and, and relate to it. And, and it's, there's definitely a musical rapport there. And, and uh, so it just kind of evolved to what we have here now with you and Mike Whitaker and Mark Douthit and Keith Carlock. The first time we did that combination, I mean, I have to, I have to admit, I, my head exploded, just almost exploded, because it was just, it was such a magical feel amongst everybody. It really and, was. It was amazing. Yeah. It was. Yeah, cool. and, and I, I just can't explain it, but it's just one of those things. I was just was so moved when we yeah. started playing as a unit it's like wow this is a real freaking deal right here so <laughs> that's what's so special about the tom hemby band for for me personally it's um there's there's bands out there that their their roster is filled with the top of the top right and they and they play together and it's amazing and everybody individually is a is a spectacle and you know you know it's going to be great but with your band what i think is so special about it is when you listen to the band it sounds like it doesn't sound like it's the sum of all these individuals it sounds like it's a band and but every individual in the band has their own little thing like you know everyone everyone has a sound i think but collectively and i don't know if, if we're doing this consciously or subconsciously maybe this is what the chemistry is all about I know you've had this where, where people will will bring up um, you know YouTube videos that that they've seen of us from from back in the day and and whenever I listen back like all of those all of those performances even if the fidelity wasn't great from where, whatever the camera was or the recording uh, device there is that cohesion is still there that you don't you just don't have that all the time even if all the players are amazing so that's like for me like that that's one of my favorite things about playing with you guys is that cohesion is there amidst everyone's individual contribution sure i know it's just i mean the only word i can think of is it's just magic you know it's just and, and like you said it, it doesn't sound like five individuals it becomes a unit you know yeah. it, it becomes like that's like that special baseball team that won the World Series. Or <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody's a, all the yeah. Pistons are in there. So, so. yeah, that's that's great. Um, you know, we're we're recording this in in December, and um, it's that you know special time of year. And my wife and I have been enjoying one of our most cherished traditions and that is listening to the tom hemby acoustic christmas oh, album man. Oh, and we can't get enough of it and it never ever loses its its freshness and I, I i've told you this before but man that is one of the most amazing recordings of anything i've ever heard and uh any of you who's who are who are out there listening you've got 
to you've got to get this the this album it's it's amazing it's is that the right name an acoustic christmas or yeah okay yeah. tom Hemby yeah. and acoustic christmas <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong but weren't you wasn't that grammy nominated or at least something like that uh well it wasn't actually it, uh in the gospel music uh, association it, it, it won instrumental album of the year that oh year, my so. gosh how amazing what was that like oh my gosh <laughs> project is uh it's something i just wanted to do it was a challenge for me because how many times have traditional christmas songs been recorded so many different ways yeah. challenge for me was to try to come up with something that was different and uh and and do it just on an acoustic guitar you know that so <laughs> that so i just really uh dug in deep you know and it's which i i enjoy doing it's just like i've got to be challenged to that's what makes it fun for me is if i can be challenged challenging myself to come up with something completely different so yeah. uh i'm very happy with that project you know I, I i like the way it came out i think it had a vibe and i've had people through the years that have contacted and told me how much they appreciated uh, the project and, and that um, there's been a lot of people told me they listen to it year round so yeah i'm very flattered and very honored that someone would do that so it is it's absolutely timeless and when i every time i listen to it i i feel um overwhelmed in a good way because i know that so much work must have went into that and i can almost i feel like when i'm listening i can see you sweat dripping off your brow playing these uh, heartfelt performances <laughs> but those arrangements are intense i mean did, did that take a long time to put together that that project you know i would sit down and i would start messing with an idea and uh and a lot of times i might sit there for two to three weeks just tweaking on one song just trying to get it like i wanted just trying different things record a little bit of it and say no i'm not not liking the direction it's going there and uh, just go back and re-refining things and till i just got it like i wanted it till it had a vibe so yeah it's oh, it's so great are there any other um projects that that you're working on now or, or getting ready to embark on i mean obviously you're you're very accomplished producer i know you do that stuff regularly um what else what else can we share with folks about um other things they can check out obviously check out the new album you have a release date by the way for that already or is that kind of uh, january that it's going to be released january, so. okay great january 2022 mm -hmm. yeah. um and uh yeah do you want to make a formal statement of the name of it and where they can get it and all that other stuff well, uh, it's uh, it's uh, called the Tom Hemby Band, uh, and the album title is Dealing It. And the reason I call Dealing It is because when you cast came to the table, man, and played, you were dealing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <simple. laughs> I can't believe you were deal you were able to deal with us, but uh, but yeah. Well, <laughs> and where where will people be able to to grab this and i'm going to add this into the into the it's video just, credits I, as well I'm not for sure yet but i'm sure it will be on itunes and spotify and all the you know places like that so are you going to do any hard media release cd stuff or it's going to be some cds yes oh, awesome very good some of us out I'm here not, still i will not those yet just yet but uh, yep. there will be some. 
Yeah. Fantastic. And then what else, what else do you got on the, on the, on the plate happening right now? Well, uh, actually, um, I'm going to be starting a rock project, producing a rock project from this great singer, this guy from Chicago named Jovanna, just a killer singer. Like, Ooh. you know, I mean, he sounds like he should be singing with Toto or somebody. I mean, he's just wow, great writer, great singer. So I'm going to be, you know, actually starting that project sometime after the first of the year. And I, I actually worked with him on another project uh, back this past year. And this is kind of a bittersweet thing that uh, we did. It's going to be released. He actually um, did this kind of a duet project with my dear friend who just recently passed away this last few weeks, Tim Akers. Oh, right. Uh. And it was a uh, it was a duet project that he and Joe had done together. And uh, Joe uh, had after they tracked stuff, he pulled me in to play a bunch of guitar solos and redo some guitar things here and there and just add to things. And uh, so that's how I really hit it off with Joe. And now he's asked me to produce his next project. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Man, fantastic. Uh, This has been so great. Is there anything else you want to share with, with the audience before we, before we wrap it up? Well, Christmas is coming. I do wear a ten and a half shoe and uh, <laughs> jacket. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, no, that's I, a great thank point. you so much for me and and gosh, well, you know I love you. And, man, I love you too. And and um, man, I'm I'm excited that you're the you're the first episode of this of this new series. And and Lord knows, I, I cannot wait to. Uh, to have be able to to share this 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 album with with folks oh, in January be... you just you smoked it bro you oh, smoked. I don't know about that but oh you but, guys it sounds yeah. so good I'm just I'm just thrilled beyond belief for the way this yeah. came out yeah me too because <laughs> it just sounds like it sounds like a band record and I'm I'm totally digging it it so. really does it really does so yeah everybody be sure to uh, to check that out follow. Follow Tom on the on the socials. How can how can folks stay abreast of what you got going on online? Where do you like to send people? Oh, good question. Well, well, I'm not I'm not the best at social media. I mean, I do have a Facebook account and PO Box one two three four somewhere. Uh, I do have a TomHemby.com web, website uh, that I've not been staying on top of like I should, but I will, with, especially with a new project coming out. So I'm gonna—I'm actually revamping that right now. And uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just—I uh, need to hit the social media thing a little better. I need to get into all the Twitter and all that stuff, I guess. And it's a full-time job, man. It's it can it can take over, but um, but yeah, you'll definitely. Um, You'll definitely have the support of all of us who are trying to engage and and um, get the word out. But um, sure, absolutely. But cool, um, man. Tom, God bless you, man. Thank you so much again, and uh, can't wait hey, to connect on the next musical project with you. Absolutely, can't wait. All right, man. Have a great rest of the day. You do the same. Talk to you yeah. soon. Bye bye.